I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. All right, we got the crew back together for First and Pod. It's good to be back. Thank you very much to Andrew Filipponi and Spencer Ray for holding down the fort. I took a little bit of time away after uh, my brother passed away, and I just appreciate all of the support very much. But it's good to be back. First and Pod, we are coming to you. Late after the first round of the NFL draft, a wild NFL draft, Pony. I see that you're wearing your Kenny Pickett jersey. Congratulations on getting a little protection for your franchise quarterback. Yes, and congratulations uh, to your franchise for passing on the best player in the draft this year. I don't understand why they did that. Um, I mean, I know what the argument is. The, The argument is... Uh, they're not in a position like the Eagles are to nurture and develop Jalen Carter, right? Fletcher Cox is there. His old teammate Jordan Davis is there. And the Bears have no uh, defensive line talent and are a very young team. But if you've got Matt Eberflus, a defensive head coach, who says that a three-technique tackle is the whole key to his defense and arguably the most talented player in the draft is there at nine at that position – I don't know how you pass on it. I was furious, but Darnell Wright, at least at least he protects Justin Fields also, right? Like it's an investment in your franchise quarterback. So I don't think you could hate it, but I, th- I think that Jalen Carter is going to haunt the Bears. Yeah. Yeah. He's a guy that I, even with all the red flags, just when he was there at nine, I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to start the podcast with maybe the Bears trading down and still getting the player that maybe they would have been forced to take if they had been stuck at that pick uh, back in uh, January. So we did the mock drafts without you, Danny. We went through the middle and the back end. So now we get to break down the real thing. So we're going to our original format, which is every team. We'll just go in uh, sequential order here, starting with the first pick on down. So I'll tee it up for you, your reaction to one thing that did hold one chalk pick that did hold up. And that is uh, the quarterback going Bryce young with the first pick to Carolina. Yeah. You know, after the trade and up until three weeks ago, you know, when we did the one through 10 and I was still on the pod, CJ Stroud was minus 300 to go number one overall. Uh, but you know, the last two weeks or so, and then certainly the last couple of days, it's been a foregone conclusion that it was Bryce young. Um, I get it. I think it makes sense. His processing and accuracy is incredible. The size scares me. 
I just laugh about it for Houston, frankly. Like, <laughs> I get it for Carolina. Good offensive line, good defense, upgraded coach, seven-win team last year. feel like you took a pretty high-floor quarterback who potentially could have special NFL accuracy. But it's just funny to me that everybody in the world thought that that was the guy that Houston wanted. And because they won in Week 17, they had to get crazy with the second and third pick, which we'll get to in a second and uh, take their second pick at quarterback. But I think it makes sense for Carolina. What about you? Well, outliers happen. They exist. People that don't fit into a box, and they have great NFL careers. And then when that happens, they set a precedent in teams and become more comfortable drafting those players or signing those players once it happens. But this is going to be something new, that a quarterback this small Uh, Doug Flutie had to go play in the Canadian Football League. You know, this is just not something that is typical. Kyler Murray was very short, but he wasn't as slender and slim and tiny from a weight standpoint as Bryce Young. So we're talking about a guy that from a measurable standpoint, the closest cop is a guy named Joe Hamilton, who played at Georgia Tech and was a great college quarterback like 20 years ago. So he is a total one-of-a-kind guy for this type of pick. When I see things like he's Drew Brees, that worries me. Like Mm -hmm. you're saying that the only guy that he really reminds you of is like the most accurate NFL quarterback of all time who played in a dome for half of his career and then played in San Diego before that in pristine weather. So I don't know. I... I would not have if I hadn't I would not have moved from nine to one and given up all the draft capital if I'm Carolina to take this guy. To me, the way that he's described, I think he can be a very good quarterback, but I don't see great in him. I think that there's a lot of Tua uh comparisons for me, even though it's lefty to righty quarterback. So yeah, I I I do not think Carolina is gonna have a transcendent quarterback with this pick. It's just funny to me, like Drew Brees with mobility. Then I wish the Bears would have traded Justin Fields. Yeah. You know, like, if that's actually what this is, then he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That just seems so unlikely, given the size. And I'd be terrified of the injury risk, which is why I wanted the Bears uh, to commit to Justin Fields if he was the number one guy. The draft got weird with Houston. Uh, CJ Stroud was, you know, 20 to 1 favorite to go number two today but not at the beginning of the day. This morning, Will Anderson was minus 300. So this was very late gambling markets. There was value here. Uh, The S2 test did not sink C.J. Stroud, but we'll do these picks together. They get their quarterback. They get their edge rusher, but they trade a king's ransom for a defensive player. 33rd overall pick, a future first, and other draft capital. I hate trading that much for a defensive player. He basically has to be Von Miller, and he might be, but if he's Jadavion Clowney, it's a disastrous trade for the Texans. Yeah, and Will Anderson's athletic uh, athleticism scores were not great, and he also played in a Nick Saban defense that's going to bring out the best in these guys, and they're surrounded by other four-star, five-star recruits. So I, I told you on the mock draft that Houston would take Will Anderson, Now, I said two, not three, and you ripped me for it. So I have to take at least a semi-victory lap for this. I don't like what they did. 
I don't like what they did with either pick. I guess I'm going to be the curmudgeon here to start this podcast. I don't think that this gets Houston relevant again. My biggest concern with Stroud is not the maybe lazy narrative that Ohio State quarterbacks don't work. It's the fact that other than the Cincinnati Bengals, he probably had the best collection of wide receivers in all of football while he was there. That makes it very difficult for me when he's in a great offensive system with incredible wide receivers and he's never run for me to critique the guy in the two biggest games of his career against his arch rival, he lost and didn't really look great to me in either one, especially last year's game. Well, so, he, looked, he did look great in the college football playoff game against Georgia. Yeah, Easily could have won that game in the national championship if Kirby Smart doesn't mess up the, the clock. Yes, management. and Kuiper, I thought, made a great point by saying because the guy ran around a little bit in that game, he ended up making himself a ton of money in it and ultimately was the second pick because of it. But, yeah, I don't think Stroud's going to have a great career. And I'm, I'm with you on Will Anderson. I think if Will Anderson had played, you know, at a very good – college football program and not Alabama, he would probably have been a late first round pick. Yeah. I I think that Will Anderson, it's hard to imagine him being bad. 27 sacks the last two years, two time SEC defensive player of the year, unbelievable character guy, but I don't know that he's going to be special. I don't know that he's going to be miles Garrett or Von Miller. I I, I'm, I'll be shocked if he's bad. Um, and the Stroud stuff, I was just happy for him because I think so much of that narrative, like, oh, he flunked a test that 98% of people hadn't heard of. And, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's that, that strikes me as ridiculous. Not every team uses it. It's weak to let those test results go public like that. So I was happy that that didn't sink him. But uh, incredibly ballsy for Houston. And I at least felt vindicated that they were taking a quarterback. I did not think you could go lose to Sean Watson and put your fan base through two full seasons without at least having hope at quarterback. Speaking of hope at quarterback pony, Indianapolis takes Anthony Richardson. It's a crazy gamble, but here's why I like it. Chris Ballard's getting fired. If he doesn't figure out a quarterback and in the AFC where Trevor Lawrence might be the seventh best quarterback in the conference and Bryce Young didn't enter your conference but CJ Stroud did right like there's just more talent coming in you can't have Mac Jones like you can't have the guy that's like eh, maybe he's got a high floor but a low ceiling or whatever not that Mac Jones looks like he's got a high floor now but that was the profile coming out of the draft you've got to go boomer bust because if Anthony Richardson hits He's going to be an absolute superstar. And if he busts, you're going to get fired anyway. So it's a ballsy pick. It's like putting a $500 chip on one number in roulette. But if it hits, you get the you know King's suite at the Bellagio. So risky for sure. But I think they had to take a big risk and they took it. I think it's less risky given where he's going and what they're surrounding him with in Indianapolis. The coach, Steichen, worked with Hertz. He was there developing that offense for Hertz. You've got at least one quarterback, maybe two, but definitely one in Gardner Minshew, who was just in that offense last year. Maybe Foles, too, depending on what they decide to do with him. 
And so I just think it's a nurturing environment for a quarterback that only has 13 career starts. And maybe among those, there's only a handful of games where you would say he looked like the fourth overall pick, but he tested like Cam Newton. And so that to me, you've got a few games like the Utah game where you look at him and say, oh my God, no one else in college football can do this. Um, It was in a new offense with a new coach. So I think he also gets the benefit of that out there, whereas Young and Stroud were in great situations Young two years ago and Stroud this past season and even the season before that. So I love it. I don't know. I don't think it's a... Hey, if he gets right on the field because he looks awesome in training camp in the preseason, okay. But I'm not, I'm not sure that's the best idea for him. I think very rarely do I... Do I advocate a player watching for a big chunk in their, of their rookie year? It worked with Mahomes. I think it's. I think it would be a really good idea for him to let the game slow down and just check it out for maybe the first ten or fifteen games of this year. Andy Dalton just did that for Justin Fields, right? Right. Do it. Do it. Do it again for Anthony Richardson. Uh, the gambling market likes Jalen Carter to Seattle. It didn't happen. They took a much safer pick with Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois, and then they come back with the 20th pick and take Jackson Smith and Jigba. I loved what Seattle did. Mm. I don't I don't know how you could possibly criticize this. Top corner, top receiver. I thought it was executed to perfection. Yeah. Two very high floor guys. I'd be shocked if either of them are bad NFL players. Well, then I'm going to try to criticize it. Really? Uh, yes. The Witherspoon thing, to me, he doesn't, he fits their culture because he's just such a in-your-face player and physical player, which is what Carroll likes. But he's a smaller corner. And they've had so much success with the bigger guys, like Woolen, and then obviously Richard Sherman is the prototype for that. The other thing that just surprised me about that is when you have a reputation of finding corners later in the draft, why do you have to take one at five? Like, to me, it's like you have this great skill. I would want to use that skill and take somebody at pick like 90 rather than take them at five, especially when it's a guy who is smaller. Um, how is he going to do against the run? Which is not my number one concern. It's more, can he cover people? He's pretty he tough, get, man. He got He's called for a ton of penalties. But the uh, the thing that no one has said about Illinois and I felt like, you know, I was screaming this into just the abyss. Hell, if you line me up at corner against those Big Ten West offenses this year, I would have looked like Richard Sherman. I mean, they were in the perfect division. They had the number one defense in college football because they played remedial defenses. So he is a badass, but he is small. And the other thing about Smith and Jigba that worries me is he was just so damn slow. His 40 times spooked me. He's almost predominantly a slot receiver. And I guess that's okay when you've got DK Metcalf. He can play off of that and Lockett's there too. But to me, he's kind of a niche receiver. He, I don't see him running away from defenses. I thought there were better picks. Better, I thought there were better wide receivers in this draft. 
He was so good two years ago from a production standpoint. He caught a million balls. I get that. Well, and then, and, and then he and then he got hurt, and it was just a little weird, and he's still working his way back. I mean, dude, that Rose Bowl game is arguably the most impressive sure. college football game I've ever seen an individual yeah. have. But I mean, Utah was so depleted they had running backs lining up at corner. No, I know in that game. I so. know. Yeah. It was uh I, I think that he's a pretty high floor player. I think he's a good route runner for whatever it's worth. And I know players compliment their their teammates all the time, but Olave and Garrett Wilson said that he was the most talented dude. I know. I heard that. You know, among among the three of them when they were practicing together. Now, obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. has probably passed all of those guys and will be a top five pick next year. But I I thought that if you're Seattle, those are two of the four most premium positions. And uh, I thought that they did a pretty good job coming out of it. Arizona found their trade down partner, which I think you love. And I thought it was fascinating. And I don't know, I was I was hosting on, on the air through the Bears pick, so I don't know if anyone made the point on TV. But that is exactly what Miami did. Now, Miami did it before the draft, but Miami traded with San Francisco from 3 to 12 and then traded back up from 12 to 6. They did it to take Jalen Waddell. Arizona does it to take Paris Johnson. Which, for Kyler, you've got to love. I was surprised, given who they hired at head coach, that they didn't go defense. But overall, in terms of draft capital for a defensive player and then doing whatever you can to salvage Kyler Murray, I kind of liked it. Well, Arizona is an organization They're that's a terrible intact. organization, though. So, like, right. when I like what they like, I don't I don't feel good about and it. And the scuttlebutt a couple of days ago was, this is what Kyler Murray wanted. That right. he had gone to them and said, I want to tackle. Okay. Well, I mean, it's better than him saying, you know, I want, you know, ample hours to play video games again, which was obviously the rub on him. So, at least it's showing that he has some, I guess, uh, interest in what the Cardinals are doing. But... You know, I don't, I don't think, and as someone that was in looking at all these offensive tackles, just like you were, Paris Johnson, I think, if either one of our teams had taken them at the spot they were in or even moved up a spot or two, we would have been fine with it. But we talked to so many draft offensive line experts over the last few months. Not a single one of them said Paris Johnson is going to be head and shoulders better than the rest of them. And if you have to bet on one guy, move up to get him. And you know, move some things around the chessboard to do it. So that's what struck me. His dad played in the NFL, I think, was a decent enough player. But I don't know. No one said to me, Paris Johnson at six in the top 10 is a slam dunk, no-brainer type pick. No, I n- no one did. But when you look at it, like Tyree Wilson, the next pick, medical questions, Bijan Robinson, the next pick, running back in the top 10, Jalen Carter, the next pick, obvious character questions. Like the draft gets very flimsy here, right? There was a ton of disagreement. There was no consensus really uh, in in this draft outside of. Well, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say let's let's take a few of those picks together here that you just mentioned. Vegas taking Wilson at seven, Atlanta taking Robinson at eight, Carter at nine, and then your team Chicago at ten. Okay, just going through those. Vegas could not take Jalen Carter. Okay, they had the they had the Henry Ruggs incident 
they were not going to take a guy that was involved in something where people died because of drag racing. Right. The idea of Jalen Carter going to Vegas and living in that city was not, was a non-starter. So Wilson, I mean, two days ago, Wilson was the projected number two pick in the draft. Okay. The betting markets were wrong about him too. Um, you know, I had not really studied the guy that much. So the idea that he got hurt at Texas Tech and still ended up being a top 10 pick, I guess, says something about what people see in the potential of him as a player that was well, maybe I mean, just stuck dude, his on measurables team. are absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. His, his, I mean, and you saw him at the draft, the swaggiest dude I've ever seen, maybe in my entire life. That was the coolest, like, suit, chain, glasses, hat look of all time. His arms, like hang down to yeah. his toes and it's just the physical freak of nature, but and, bad and, foot injury and some questions about yeah. it, but you know, him and Max Crosby as a couple of edge rushers, that makes and sense. Chandler Jones. Yeah. Right. Uh, and they were 28th in sacks last year. You know, are you going to give me now props for saying Bijan Robinson was going to be the Falcons pick, please? I mean, you and the gamblers, man. I But I said it before the gambling market even came out on that. They hadn't even posted odds for the – well, they did. No, and they, had, they had And But they, he was a huge underdog at that point. And you thought I was out of my gourd when I said that. I mean, it's podcast. exciting. And Drake London and Kyle Pitts and him as the last three first-round picks. Like, great job by you. Fascinating. Very fantasy football esque, very fast with Ritter, but like it feels like a NFL blitz offense. Like it feels like seven on seven football. Am I insane here to think that Atlanta is not a strong enough team as a fifty three man roster to be drafting running backs with the eighth overall pick? Like to me, like Christian Gonzalez, uh, opposite AJ Terrell. Try to lock down two corners there would have made a decent amount of sense. Uh, building in your offensive line. I was just, everybody ended up saying it. Yes, you were among the first to say it, but it just feels like a luxury pick for a team that's not ready to make those types of well, picks. Well, I don't, I don't think it's a good pick either, but I just felt like there were things about Atlanta's personality that, that made it, um, that made it a match. Yeah, you they, nailed it. You got, you got the coach who worked with Derrick Henry in Tennessee. You've got a franchise that doesn't have a face at quarterback that can build its offense around a running back, not the quarterback's talents. They were so run heavy last year. Um, so you're in a division where you might think if you get a guy, even if it's for three or four years, if, if Bijan Robinson steps in and is the rookie of the year in the NFL this season, that that might be enough to lead you to a division championship where it's wide open. So that's why I put all those things together. But ultimately, look, I mean, Jalen Carter went with the, with the next pick. Falcons fans are Georgia fans. If they had taken Jalen Carter, that franchise would have loved it. Like, it's not always the easiest thing to sell tickets down there. And you take a guy that was going to be the number one overall pick, and you have them, you know, just drive an hour or whatever it is from Athens to Atlanta and you get them a driver that babysits them and stuff. And you just say, you're like going to be our 
defensive stalwart for the next 10 years. I mean, I think they should have done that. Do you think that there would have been the type of heat though, that you're talking about with Vegas? Like obviously Vegas with the Henry Ruggs thing, it's, 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 it's worse, but. I think you got fans that are make, willing to make excuses for him if he goes there because he helped their college team win a national championship. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, of course. I'm just saying, get him away from that environment. Uh, Jalen Carter went to the perfect spot. It's disgusting. Oh my God. It's disgusting. They lose Hargrave. He goes with Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox and the best general manager in the sport drafts him. And he had to move up one spot and give up a future fourth round pick to do it. And oh, by the way, they got Nolan Smith from Georgia with the 30th pick too. Right. So So he's got a couple couple of friends and teammates. And yeah, so Nolan Smith with the 30th pick in the draft, who I thought could have been a fringe top 10 pick, because if he doesn't tear his pectoral muscle, he's very, he's very small though. I mean, he's so, he's so, he's so for that position. He, I think he would have been the smallest starter in the league last year by weight. Right. But he, he runs a sub four, four, 40. He ran a faster 40 than Jackson Smith and Jigba. Right. Like, and in a league that is going to like linebackers who need to run and cover more and be versatile and be like Micah Parsons-esque players. Like the fact that Howie Roseman took him makes me think again that he's going to be awesome. I agree. I agree with that. The Eagles, you know, they, they did something with both of their picks that, GMs talk about all the time and then really never do is they just took the best player available, I think, both times. And but they fits, also it, they it also didn't the, have a huge need. Right. But it, but it also fits like the identity of the team and how they want to win games too. So it was the best of both worlds. I saw a thing today that uh, in the last 14 drafts, the Eagles have only selected four positions in the first round. Offensive line, defensive line, quarterback, receiver. Receiver. Yeah, and they took Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson, and it didn't stick to them or haunt them really whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, they immediately made up for it with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Good organization. Darnell Wright is fine for the Bears. They tried to sign Mike McGlinchey, got outbid. What did I text you, by the way, earlier in the week? I said, I heard that the Bears liked Wright even more than Johnson and that that would be their pick. And you said, yeah, that you makes did. sense. Yeah, you got a source. Why didn't um, you say that on the air and give me credit? Why didn't you tell Wani? He would have given me some love. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. Nice job by you. <laughs> uh, listen, it was the biggest hole on their offense. You can't hate the pick because you need to figure out if Fields is the dude. I would have taken Jalen Carter. I, I feel like you can hate that they passed on Jalen Carter. And then be okay with the Darnell Wright pick. You know, like, I, I don't yeah. think that those two things are in conflict with each other. Uh, I just think that, like, if, if Jalen Carter would have gone six to Detroit, and then they would have just taken Darnell Wright at nine, and they didn't have the option, I'd have zero problem with it. But now I'll be haunted by Jalen Carter being Warren Sapp. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, I think it's also interesting that you're, the hometown guy there went to Tennessee with the next pick, Skaronsky, who if his arms were like six inches longer, he would have been a top five pick. It's I mean, hilarious. Two inches longer. Two inches longer. It's hilarious that he got he caught it, his arm length cost him literally millions of dollars, uh, even though he was on tape prob- better than Johnson as a tackle at Northwestern last year. In Tennessee, making that pick, so Levis didn't go in the first round. Hooker didn't go in the first round either. But is Tennessee going to do the same thing again, where? They wait on a quarterback and then take one after night one, Danny, and say, no, 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 we still really like this guy, just like they did with Malik Willis last year. I almost feel like one of the low-key big winners of tonight might be Tannehill. That he's just going to get a chance to run it back one more year. And because that division is such horseshit, Vrabel's convincing himself, we're going to hold on to Tannehill and Henry and try to win this thing again next year. I mean, isn't that how it feels right now? It it is how it feels right now. I I think Skaronsky's going to be a guard. And you know, everyone's like, "Well, if you get Quentin Nelson or you get Zach Martin, you're fine with it." Yeah. But Zach Martin was the 16th pick in the draft. Quentin Nelson was the 6th. Quentin, you you have to be an all pro at that position to justify this type of investment. And so I just, I I wouldn't draft a running back. I wouldn't draft a guy that I think is going to be a guard. I wouldn't draft a safety, like top half of the first round, certainly top 10. It's why I didn't want the bears to take him. You know, I know this is the 11th pick, not top 10. He just, to me, the ceiling is lower on a guy like that. And if he does have to slide into guard and he's merely very good, it's not a good pick because I'd rather have the 10th best tackle in the NFL than the best guard. Yeah. And so it just, it really pigeonholes you for what he has to be. And now the draft gets weird, Pony. The Lions, (laughs) so they have, they end up with the 12th pick and the 18th pick. After the trade. And so now they have five picks in the top 55. So good team, good roster, favorite to win the division, great offensive line, committed to Jared Goff and all of that. But they have DeAndre Swift. They signed David Montgomery. And the first pick that they use is on Jameer Gibbs from Alabama. I'm sure he'll be great. David Montgomery's not fast. Gibbs is. I don't know why they don't like DeAndre Swift. But how in the world could they look at their defense, their secondary, their linebacker core? And I know they address linebacker with Campbell from Iowa with the 18th pick and the interior of their defensive line 
and say, you know what we need? We need a running back with the 12th pick. Well, so this is to me like Dan Campbell got all of this and he deserved it for the way that that team started poorly. And then in the second half of the season, by the end of the year was probably the third best team in the NFC behind only Philadelphia and San Francisco based on how they closed the season. And most of it was offensively. They had to fire defensive coach. And if they had just a decent defense, they would have made the playoffs and probably beaten somebody in the first round, probably uh, Minnesota, just like the Giants did. But like this to me screams of meathead Dan Campbell, where he puts a big chew in, he goes in that draft room, he intimidates everybody and he says, I want a running back and an inside linebacker like it's 1992 all over again. I mean, what are you doing, guys? Like, any analytical human being in there who, like, looks at football progressively is saying to him, no, that's not what we're doing. We can get guys at that position in this draft, Dan, but it's not going to be right now. That's what needed to happen in there, man. Like, look, I'm not just saying this because the two, like, the two teams I watched root for, Syracuse and Pitt, Sean Tucker at Syracuse and a band of candy from Pitt. Either one of those guys could be thousand yard rushers in the NFL. I'm convinced of that. And there's well, probably especially three, behind the Lions offensive line. Right. And there's probably three or four other running backs that I would say the same thing about. What are you doing using the 12th pick on a running back? And, and like Campbell tested, they're saying he's the next Luke Keekley, but still. It's an off-ball linebacker, dude. You didn't just take Micah Parsons. Okay, but but if uh, so, alternate universe, they stay at six and eighteen. They don't pick up the extra draft capital, and it's Jalen Carter and Jack Campbell. I think it makes all the sense in the goddamn world. They complement each other, two front seven players, two interior players after Aiden Hutchinson on the edge. They re-signed Kaminsky. Like, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, they remade their front seven in two years. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that that would have been a totally sensible thing to complement a top five offense in the NFL. Uh, a risky player in Carter, a safe pick in Campbell. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that, that would have, yeah. like told a story that made sense this two devalued positions arguably the deep the deepest position at running back and then the interior linebacker who doesn't have the guy to like clog up the the blockers in front of him to take care of it like I I was came into tonight as a Bears guy terrified that the Lions were going to completely distance themselves from everyone else and yeah. the, the Lions are going to lie man now the one thing is Everyone says the value in this draft is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a two round draft. Well, five picks in the top 55 is good. Like may, maybe they're going to get four starters out of this draft and no superstars. Okay, fine. But I don't know that Jameer Gibbs is much better than DeAndre Swift. The whole thing shocked me. Uh, Lucas Van Ness to the Packers. They moved up obviously in the Aaron Rodgers trade which finally went through have zero interest in ever drafting a wide receiver. Apparently in the first round, we'll just refuse to do it. Yeah. To care. me, this was, uh, it's a, it right. There's a huge position of need though. 
Like yep. to me, it was Van Ness uh, or Jackson Smith and Jigba. That was like the buzz around here at what they were going to do. So people were pretty much all over it. They went defense over offense. I think he's a very solid player who will classic probably Packers, classic Packers, you know, edge rusher, bull rusher. I don't think he's going to be great. And I'd be shocked if he's bad. So the next four picks are an interesting story because I'm convinced something happened here with the Jets, Patriots, Washington, and Steelers. So the Steelers went from 17 to 14. Okay. Yeah. The Steelers assistant GM, Andy Weidel, who came over from Philly, is like best friends with the Jets GM, Joe Douglas. They like the same type of players. They probably scouted the draft the same exact way. They also, as teams, had very similar needs. I am convinced that the Steelers knew that the Jets were going to take Broderick Jones at 14. And if there's one thing Bill Belichick loves doing, it's fucking over the Jets. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 15, because of the trade with the Packers. Exactly. Belichick loathes the Jets. Now, he needs a corner. And he knows if he makes that trade, if the Steelers tell him, we're going up to get Jones, you have our word. The Jets aren't taking a corner. They just picked Sauce Gardner. So he can get the corner that he wants, get an extra pick, and F his former employer. So I think that's why you had a very seldomly done thing where the Steelers and Patriots made which made a trade with each other. I, I like that the Steelers were aggressive and got, like, for me, the last, sure, first-round pick left tackle. And then the only thing that was interesting to me on the back end of that was, I think the Jets had to panic, and they just went with Will McDonald because, okay, we'll just take another defensive lineman. That's how we like to build our team with guys on the line up front. And Emmanuel Forbes, who's 165 pounds, Danny, got drafted ahead of Christian Gonzalez, who if you went and looked at every like legitimate draft expert, like it was a consensus top 10 rated player. Kuiper, McShay, Jeremiah, you name it. They all had him as a top 10 guy. And New England traded back, got an extra pick, picked him at 17, and Belichick kills it with defensive backs. And the guy's insanely fast. Like, just faster guy than basically everyone in the league. Family of sprinters. Great athlete. Little undersized. But it's one of those weird things, though, where I wonder, like, everyone in the world's going to say it was a value pick because the media had him as a top 10 pick and you get him at 17. What was the media? Oh, but plus Belichick, though. Belichick's got the Midas touch with corners. That helps. That helps. But I just I think we have a tendency to say, oh, it was a reach because of mock drafts that don't know anything, or it was value. Well, you know the funny thing I heard about Gonzalez? I don't know if you heard this too, that turned teams off. Apparently, he was asked, because you said the sprinter thing, who's the most competitive person in your family? And he said, I'd have to say my brother-in-law, David Blau. (laughs) How do you not say yourself, dude? That's a bad bad interview answer. (laughs) That's a bad interview answer. How is he not coached by his agent to answer that question better? That's a bad interview answer. 
That's pretty funny. I mean, wouldn't I know this isn't draft day with Kevin Costner, but isn't that one of those things that you'd make you say, oh shit, I don't know if I want to invest a top 10 pick on a guy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh all right. Well, so we did Jack Campbell to the Lions. So now we get to Tampa, who I thought might be aggressive and trade up, or even take Will Levis if he fell to him. Like I I I just was more expecting a move from them because they're in such no man's land. Uh, but they take Kalijah Kansi out of pit, who you know intimately well, 280 pounds, trying to kind of break the mold as an undersized three technique. What do you think? Well, he was awesome at pit. I mean, he gets Aaron Donald comparisons. That's stupid because there's only one Aaron Donald, even though they have the same exact measurables, 6'1", 280, and, or, or two, 230? Did I say 280? Maybe it's 250. Maybe it's oh, 280. 280. 6'1", and they ran like the same 40 time. But he's got the shortest arms of any defensive tackle like ever when they measured him. So he's got a little bit of the Skaronsky problem going. I think he'll be very good. I think he'll be all pro level maybe even. Oh, wow. But, you know, I mean, but, you know, I'm biased towards the guy. But I, I do agree with you on this, like, their quarterback situation is such a question mark, but I don't think Levis would have fixed it. To me, it would have just been like a. I know his skill set is not the same as Baker or um, Trask. Far from it. He throws a better ball. He moves better, even for a bigger guy. Dude, Trask but, is a zero. Yeah, that was such a horrible pick. Who was a second round pick, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. A, he was a second round pick, and when they were eliminated in week eighteen, they played. Gl- Blaine Gabbard into the third yeah. quarter. Yeah, like, I mean, that was just brutal. Yeah, he's a, he's a complete zero. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, yeah, yeah Tampa, I, mean, I don't think really – I think Tampa got a good player, but I don't think it's going to move the needle for them unless they do more with their quarterback and coach, frankly. Yeah, they they should – I mean, they should, frankly, take it, tank and try to get Caleb Williams. Uh, all right, we did Jackson Smith and Jigba with Seattle already, but we should group this together. I love when this happens because it's – The runs. The, the, run, the runs on the position. 
20 is Jackson Smith and Jigba. 21, Quinton Johnston from TCU to the Chargers. 22, Zay Flowers from BC. Lamar gets a first-round receiver. We could talk about Lamar's contract, too. And then Jordan Addison, USC, to the Vikings. So four straight receiver picks, 20, 21, 22, 23. Um, I, I thought Njigba deserved to be the number one receiver. I bought the hype of Zay Flowers going as the second receiver. I was shocked by the Minnesota pick, even though that was the odds-on favorite for position group for them. I thought that they were going to go secondary uh, and, and help their defense, given that they lost like literally every player in their secondary this offseason, and they brought in Brian Flores. So I thought they were going defense uh, with the guy who went with the next pick, Deontay Banks. So Addison was the one that surprised me. Flowers was the one that I liked, and we'll see about Quentin Johnston. Yeah, so I've got a kind of a different spin on on some of this. I actually like the Johnston pick and the Addison pick the most. Oh, interesting. And here's why I like the Johnston pick so much. Because I thought after the college football season was over, I thought he was going to be the first wide receiver that got picked. Because he had, I thought, the best year among among these guys, for sure. I mean, Flowers was such a not was such an afterthought that he wasn't even in the senior bowl. He was in the East-West Shrine game. I mean, he was in basically like the Fakakta All-Star game. And then he had a, I mean, just hyper-productive career, but is smaller and is kind of pigeonholed in as a slot guy. Um, Addison was much better at Pitt when he won the Blitnikoff Award. His numbers went down playing with Caleb Williams, which is hard to believe at USC. And, and Johnson's just a big guy that goes up and gets the ball and moves pretty well. So, you know, I think the Chargers have a chance to, like, they never say healthy. But if he's good, how do you defend those three receivers there? I mean, that's the thing I'm thinking about, unless well, they, they trade listen, one of those guys. I wasn't surprised that it was a receiver. They were minus 200 to take a receiver. It was the odds-on favorite. Uh, just felt like a little like, little redundant with Mike Williams. So who up- cares? Go the Bengals route. I mean, they've got we – t- we've talked about it. I mean, if they stayed healthy last year, they would have had – maybe one of the top five 53-man rosters in the entire NFL. You know, if you're going to do a luxury pick, make it a wide receiver, not a running back or inside linebacker. So, plus you've got the Kellen Moore thing going on there. You know, I just... No, all I'm saying is between, like, who's closer to the end, Mike Williams or Keenan Allen, uh, I would say Keenan Allen. So, I would... I think... I think I would have assumed Zay Flowers. Uh just for like complimentary piece sure. over, over over Johnston. But hey man, it's a premium position and you're supporting and, Justin Herbert. And I think it, Addison's I think Addison is a, is like perfectly cast as a number 2. He strikes me as like a Tyler Lockett type. So, I think to have him with Jefferson, I think that's great. I think like you just tell him, especially playing with Cousins, you know, he's a guy that like within the first five yards is going to get open. You know, he's not someone that's going to be like a huge deep threat, but he's just such a good route runner. And so I just think that that's a really good, you want to talk about, you know, wide receivers that play off each other. I think that's a really good situation. I don't see him as a Batman. I see him as a Robin. And he went to, with the ultimate superhero wide receiver there in Minnesota. 
Well, I mean, and after the, you know, they needed someone else to catch passes. Yeah. With right. Thielen leaving too. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, Deontay Banks, Maryland to the New York Giants. Again, gambling markets nail it. Uh, plus 150 was position group cornerback to the New York football Giants. Like, I, I just went through and marked down like 20 something teams that had uh, gambling markets up, you know, like an hour before the draft. I just wrote them down. There were very few that were like completely off the board. Yeah. The vast majority was the favorite, the second favorite, a couple of the thirds. The the Bills were a very long shot to do tight end as the first. Uh, the Jets were a pretty big long shot to do linebacker as the first. Um, New England cornerback was the third favorite, but for the most part, man, they didn't, they didn't always get it in terms of player order or draft position, but in terms of position group by the teams, yeah. I thought the gambling markets nailed it. And this was another one. for the Yeah. Giants. I mean, I, I felt like, you know, banks is a need pick for the giants, but then again, like I'm still asking myself, like you made a pick, I guess, to try to slow down, Ideally, like Deontay Banks is going to go up against A.J. Brown in your division. You know, you saw him go up against Marvin Harrison Jr. and have a really good game at Maryland. So maybe that's the logic there. But I still think, yeah, I still think they need weapons for the quarterback that they paid there. Uh, I mean, four receivers just went off the board. Yeah, that's that. And I think Buffalo got in the same spot. I think they wanted a receiver. And they and they got caught with their pants down and they and they went up and they got Kincaid. They wanted. I guess they're going to go with a two tight end offense there with Knox, um, which would be kind of a change of pace for them. And then the one that really completely threw me off was Maisie Smith to the Cowboys. Like I still, that is, that to me was like the, the anti Jerry Jones pick. I'm still like stunned by that. He's a guy that never sacked the quarterback in college at Michigan. Like, is more of your classic, like, not a three-down defensive lineman at all. Just kind of clog space and maybe move offensive linemen a little bit and eat up linemen and maybe, like, push the pocket back but never get to the quarterback. Didn't have a ton of tackles for loss at Michigan, like, I just feel like that's the type of guy in today's NFL you get in like the third round and you feel like you got a really good player there and that's it. Like this is not like with Cansey, he can, I think, be someone that plays even Brzee if he gets himself healthy. But Smith, he's like more of your classic nose tackle, Danny. Yeah, I mean, so it was third favorite on the board for them to take a defensive lineman. I guess I could have seen Murphy or Breezy uh, from from Clemson in terms of production. Spencer says he had 16 quarterback hits last year and just half a sack in in terms of the production. This is like a weird thing that all these guys say. They're like, you know, there are only 18 guys with first-round grades, but there are 31 first-round picks. So I think when you get to this point, it's all over the board. I kind of thought that they were going to take Michael Mayer. I thought they were going to take the tight end. From, so from 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 Notre Dame, that felt so more I. like a Jerry Jones Cowboys pick. Exactly that's what I, that that's what I thought they were going to do. I just want to say one more thing about Dalton Kincaid uh, and Buffalo. Their drafting 
like top 100 picks the last three years, if you look at it, is shockingly bad in Buffalo. They haven't hit on a pick. Yeah, it's like it's like Devin Singletary. Like that's like arguably the best. It, it is. Then they took Cook last year, too. Right, they're running back. Yeah, so like they. I agree that this seemed desperate. Obviously, I'm always for adding more weapons and supporting, uh, you know, your quarterback. That that makes all the sense in the world to me. But they're just becoming a very top heavy team without a lot of depth. Like they they need some of these picks to actually hit. The AFC is just too damn good. You can't be missing on first round, second round, third round picks three years in a row. Like uh, one quarterback can't do it all. You got you got to do better than that. Uh, Jacksonville traded down, took. Anton Harris. I mean, the rest of the picks are all linemen, right? If you, I don't know if you want to loop, loop this together, but like, we can. yeah. So Harrison to Jacksonville as uh, an offensive lineman, Murphy to the Bengals, uh, Bressy to the uh, Saints, Nolan Smith, who we talked about already, and then uh, the kid from K State, uh, Uzuma from uh, from K State, yeah. go, goes to the Chiefs. Yeah, the Chiefs were rumored to take an edge rusher. They're probably disappointed that Smith went the pick before and Murphy's another one of these high upside guys, even though the production wasn't always there. Yeah, it really Rizzi was. had just an unreal freshman year at Clemson and was never the same player because of the ACL. His sister died. He had strep throat that led to a kidney infection and he lost all kinds of weight. I mean, he just, you know, I, I hope he did not peak athletically as an 18-year-old, but it looks like that might have happened. And the Saints made a need pick there because they do need defensive line help. I do root for the kid, though. I think what I want to say, and then Jacksonville needed a tackle because the Cam Robinson thing happened, too. And then they lost lost the other tackle, Jawan Taylor, to the Chiefs. But I do want to maybe take this second here to talk about the quarterbacks that didn't go in the first round, Levis and Hooker. And just, this is my biggest... This is one of, this is one of the biggest issues I have with the way the draft gets covered, okay? Because I think something happened here again tonight that is a disservice to football fans. I really think that there's that there's bargaining that gets done between the agents where this Levis toe injury where Mortensen just drops that in so Cavalier-like in the middle of the first round, like it scared teams off. Uh, You're just finding this out now? Like, you've had all this time to either tweet this or say this, and so have Schefter and these other guys. How is this something? Like, there had to be, my, my opinion is there had to be some kind of gag order on it. And I'm not really sure necessarily if it's a quid pro quo situation or how that works. But Danny, how was that not even touched upon until tonight? And they're like, well, this makes sense for why he's falling now. Would have been nice to know <laughs> six hours ago. I mean, he was the he was the favorite to be the second overall pick yesterday. Right. I, I I have no idea how that happens, man. Uh, we get honest, we have to get hit over the there, head. I didn't even cognitive, know that. with cognitive score tests for Stroud, and that becomes a narrative, right? But, no, a, exactly. leg- but a legitimate injury 
like it just comes out from one of the most veteran NFL insiders. He's like, oh, it's very obvious why he's falling, and here's the reason why. Some teams thought he should have had surgery on it, and he said no. That should have been a draft. That should have been a draft debate for months. Correct. I that so that just I you're breaking this news to me. I was not watching television coverage. I was all on mute. I was I was on the air. Uh that is that is a wild thing, man. I'll read I'll read you the tweet from Mortensen here. Um right now on it. Here it is. Please. Will Levis less this is from an hour ago. Will Levis's left toe that caused him to miss two games last year was quote problematic for at least one team that considered him. Levis said that, quote, the toe had healed and was good to go. Another team believed Levis could manage, but thought surgery would need discussion after season. Levis said, Levis disagreed. Hmm. That is very strange. I mean, I will say this. Will Levis seems to be, I don't know if which one of those people were his sister. And his I thought the same thing. I don't know what was going on there. I don't know if they brought extras in once he started falling. I have no idea what was going on, but he is winning in some capacity tonight. Yeah. He's not going to have a terrible night. That's all I'll say. Yeah. And the other thing is with these quarterbacks, though, like it seems to me the last two years that when people say, oh, these quarterbacks are getting pushed up the board. That really seems like it's a myth now because Levis and Hooker fell out of the first round and only one quarterback was picked in the first round last year. So that just starting to feel like a, a media creation to me. Well, I mean, Anthony, I mean, three of the top four, but it was in the, the number was four and a half for the first round. So obviously an under this year, but I mean, I never bought Hooker as a first-round pick. Well, he's coming off a big injury, and he played in college for about 19 Yeah, exactly. He's 25. One thing we should talk about, though, and I'll take a small victory lap on this one. Mm -hmm. The only result, result that made sense was Lamar Jackson going back to Baltimore. It's the only thing that made sense the whole time. We kept talking about it. We kept asking. We kept debating. Indy, Atlanta, Washington. But would you well, I'll would tell you, you give up two first-round picks and yeah. that contract? He got paid. He got more than Jalen Hurts. He got Odell Beckham. He got Zay Flowers. And Baltimore gets their guy. And he gets the biggest uh, contract in NFL history. I mean, he'll, ne he'll never say this. But I think it's very obvious what happened. I don't think he respected the two quarterbacks that had set, I mean, the ridiculous market is Watson. And then the other one was Kyler Murray. And I think he was like, no, I'm not doing anything that aligns myself, you know, below those guys. And then I think when Hertz took that deal, he said, you know what? If I can get a little bit more than Jalen Hurts, a guy that was just in the Super Bowl and I respect his game, I'll do it. I, if the Hurts deal doesn't happen, I think that he's still at loggerheads with Baltimore. I agree. I agree. But there was no outcome that ever made sense for him to be on a different team. So. Yeah. 
No doubt. Well, maybe... <laughs> I don't know if you've been watching television the last three months. <laughs> well, I think in the a end, a lot of like, people had doubt. No doubt. But, like, I think what the Colts did was better. Like, I would rather have Anthony Richardson with the fourth pick than have given up two firsts and then had to pay Lamar Jackson. Well, which was which was why he was never leaving. You know, like, the only outcome that made sense was for him to stay in Baltimore because they had no plan B. Yep. And no one was going to meet his price plus the draft picks. So the, the only, only thing that made sense was here. And yeah, the Ravens maybe could have played even more hardball. But then you're just pissing off your 26-year-old the, MVP when you're trying to win a damn Super Bowl. The only team, And he's awesome. Yeah, the only team I'll say... That now that they made a pick, I would look at it and say, man, if I just give up that pick and next year's pick and pay him, I like my my situation considerably better, is Atlanta. If I was going to use the eighth pick on a running back, I'll just take that eighth pick and next year's pick, and I'll give Lamar Jackson that contract. And then when they come out with the latest Super Bowl odds, I'll be third in the NFC. That's how I would have looked at that. Yeah, and a, and a, and a lot of people, you know, talked about that. And Mike Vick and him in a dome and the NFC South being bad, and they, they would have been. They would have been one of the favorites in the NFC. But it still would have been two first-round picks, including a top-10 pick, for yeah. a dude who completed 62% of his passes last Correct. year and hasn't played more than 12 games in two years. Yep. So it still would have been incredibly risky. And – I mean, I don't think that Ritter's anything special, but you said it during the year. I mean, it's not a bad spot for a quarterback to go if he sucks. Yep. You know, and you'll have to give up a hell of a lot less than $260 million, Yep. Uh, in, or, in order to get one. So I'm, I'm really happy for Lamar. I think he has had to endure a lot of shit from pre-draft through now. And then at times, like we talked about, it actually went the other way where people were afraid to criticize him yeah. because he took so much unfair. Sh- like, yeah, but I'm just like Roethlisberger got shit for saying something that I like to me gets said all the time. You know, he's like teams want to keep him in the pocket. They'd rather have him. Right. Play of course. The pocket. Yeah. Right. Like, I, wow. Yeah. That, that's not, that's, that's, that's salacious not salacious whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, he hasn't progressed as a passer since his MVP year. That's objectively true. Yep. Like, but he still is awesome and dangerous. And when he's at his best, he's one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. And he deserves this contract. And he deserves help. So I, to me, this was the only outcome. And I, it's unbelievably exciting uh, to see him get a couple of weapons there. And we'll see what happens going forward. But this was fun, man. Yeah, man, it's great to have you back, and we'll do an extra podcast here. We'll come back after everything wraps up this weekend and just do a team-by-team breakdown. Yeah, we'll have one for you uh, Monday morning, right? Yep. All right. Thank you to Spencer Ray, our producer. He's Andrew Filipponi. You can listen to him afternoons. I'm a fan in Pittsburgh. Check me out afternoons on The Score in Chicago. Tell your friends, subscribe, rate, review, first and pod. Peace. Thank you. 
2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.